Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. We want to talk about this, um, the review of the sex education um, course, effectively, up to junior search curriculum. And it's going to include lessons, um, well, it's going to talk about pornography, among other things, consent, and um, positive, healthy relationships as well. And it's going out to public consultation. There's going to be a, a consultation on this for about a three-month period. It won't come in now till the, the following September. But I'd like to hear your views on this today. I mean, should we talk about pornography in the classroom? Valerie is with us on the line today. Valerie is in, um, is in Selbridge. You're a parent, Valerie. What's your take on this when you heard it this morning? Um, I don't think it's any harm. I think it's probably a good idea. I think it's a bit sad that we have to come to it, but I think we need to take our heads out of the sand and address it. There's a lot of things that are going to be included in the um, in the discussion. You know, it's not, I suppose, just specifically about pornography, but um, it is going to be talked about. Does does that concern you at all? Have you have um, you students in that or kids I, in that age group? Uh, I have one just on the junior cert and one going into secondary next year. Okay, um, so you're prime. Yeah. I think in fifth and sixth class, they're obviously learning the birds and bees. And I don't think pornography should be addressed in first or even maybe in second. But certainly by third year, I think it's no harm. I think an awful lot of parents are in denial about what their children have access to and don't put settings on phones and iPads. And kids are looking at things that they definitely shouldn't be looking at. Do you have any concerns about it being discussed or talked about in school? Or is that the place, do you think, for it, Valerie? Well, I think in an ideal world, it should come from home and from parents. But so should a lot of things and it doesn't. So school is a good catchment place to to address it with children and have discussions. My only concern is that the teachers are really well trained and how to address it. Yeah, Okay. so the sort of specialist kind of training required for for those who are teaching this. Yeah, definitely. Because I think they address other, you know, highly topical mental health and suicide and all these things and kids report back you know they speak about it like it it's nothing and there's no discussion so they're heavy issues and they need to be discussed and that's important in the right way. Yeah I'd like to get the view actually of you know teachers today on this and, and whether or not they've any issue or I suppose maybe it's you just look at it the same way as you do any other topic uh, that you stand up to, to teach in the classroom. 53106 is the number if you want to get in, in, in touch with us. Um, the parental responsibility side of it Valerie you mentioned it there is you know I suppose I would imagine the parents probably do talk to their, their teenage children about this in some form it's a really awkward thing to discuss pornography i think consent and safe sex all these things are a much easier uh discussion because well i certainly didn't discuss it with my children under the age of 15 i i, I have an older boy who i talked to in sixth year about it but i didn't talk under 15 they're still very young and you to bring up the word pornography and talk about it, you think, Jesus, I hope they're not going looking at it now. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose that's the point, isn't it? It's it's probably around how it's actually taught and, and discussed and chatted about yeah. in the classroom as well. One listener has got in touch here to say, actually, the younger we have open discussions about yeah. sex, porn and consent, I think the better. So yeah. this listener, yeah. I think there has to be a whole plan. Like, obviously, talking about sex and consent and safety and all that, 
they're the they're the first points to call. And then when they're maybe a touch older, definitely in the junior cycle, pornography needs to be addressed. I think it's important. And actually, I think it's a really good thing that's coming in. Mm. Eric is on the line as well, uh, Valerie. Eric is a, a teacher in Limerick. Um, you're a parent as well. I mean, is the classroom the right place, Eric, for this? Um, first, I, I just think uh, that the moderator, Valerie, she spoke she probably spoke from the heart and from the fear and from the content of what most parents listening would feel. Um, they realise it's important, but they're not sure how to touch it. As a teacher now, the days of students going into school, uh, just, just being in school to learn stuff, that's gone. We need to get that out of our head. Schools are now about, they're, they're probably more important now than actually learning stuff to actually make the, the boy or girl that comes into first year, because I'm a secondary school teacher, that they can leave at the age of 17, 18, 19, as a, as a mature adult who can handle themselves in life. If you think about it uh, in school, you don't need to learn anything anymore because if you want to know something, just get out your phone and go to Google and you can get the answer. So you need to know, learn how to, um, you need to develop skills and how to manipulate content and understand what's going on. And I suppose that's where this conversation about uh, consent and accessing uh, content online comes in. Um, I see myself as a first-year teacher and as a first-year rugby coach as someone that needs to mature youngsters because... Some children who come in in first year are so innocent. They might come in, like I've had boys come into school on the first day with a teddy stuffed in their bag. Like you might think that's, that's, but it's there. While you've other boys that come in in first year and they've seen a lot of graphic material. So there's a wide chasm between the innocent boys and, and it's, I used to be boys, I was teaching a boys school, between the innocent first years and the, okay. the more advanced first years. So it's a wide chasm. And as, in the school, we need to find a happy medium. So, um, this morning, when, when, I, when, I, when I was asked to come on here and I did a quick run around and talked to the teachers who would be involved in this, um, there is fear out there. There's a bit of fear amongst some teachers that they mightn't be adequately tra- trained for it. And training is key, like Valerie mm. just spoke about. It, it, training is so important because uh, knowing how to pass information on, how to pass on age-appropriate information is on, it, it's out there. It's happening Every youngster, every youngster now almost has a phone, um, so they can access it. And most times, the access initially by accident, it, it just pops up. They might see stuff on TikTok or on, on YouTube or something like that. It comes up accidentally, and then they explore further and they get, kind of get aroused by it or get turned on by it or whatever it is. So we need to talk about it. But the most important part is that it's age appropriate. So as a teacher, if we come across uh, a youngster that's very advanced for their age, we speak to them and we. We, we tone them down. We try and talk about um, consent, about how would they like it if, 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 if their family members were involved in those things or in, in those videos. So you try and open up their mind to the consequences of what they're watching. So we, bring, we, we try and tone down students that are advanced, while students then that are kind of probably very innocent, we need to kind of gradually introduce topics to them so they're not, so that they can kind of get to an appropriate level for the content that they will come across if that makes sense so that they can be mature enough that stuff that they will find in their phones that they know to handle it that they won't be overwhelmed by it because some, some youngsters do get overwhelmed by it and okay. it is quite fearful for so them. Is, is the thought then Eric that um, because you're an ASTI rep I think aren't you as well yes, from right. memory yeah. Yes, yes. is the thought then that so it would be the, the RSE the religious and sexual education teachers I presume that's then who, who would yes. who would instruct on, on, on this as well yeah and is the general consensus that there is some um, some anxiety about whether or not the right training would be in place oh, def- oh definitely there is something there, there, like 
I, I spoke to a number of teachers this morning before coming on and there, there was one one teacher I spoke to, a female teacher in her 20s, she would feel uncomfortable delivering content like that to boys that maybe a couple of years younger than her, do you know what I mean? So she, she would wonder how the boys would react to someone of her age uh, speaking to them about it. So that, that that's there. Like there. There's a large number of things and especially boys when they're in fifth and sixth year. So what what we've noticed in school is that Stuff maybe a decade ago that boys in fifth and sixth year would access and know about, that's now coming in in first, second, and third year. So it is happening. Okay, and, so it's the, get, uh, so it is there. for sure, so yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. So we, we need to be able to, to react to it when it happens and give the boys the tools to, to be mature, to act responsible, to act responsible, be confident in what they see and kind of push aside the stuff that's inappropriate. Okay. Within, St- so st- stay with us, Eric. Uh, Amy is on the line as well in um, in Tipperary. Amy, you work with adolescents. What's your view on this? Um, well, I, I'm a psychotherapist and I work with adolescents uh, through psych- uh, on one-on-one psychotherapy. So I get a, a very unique insight into adolescent uh, sex education in Ireland and kind of um, where our adolescents are at with that say their own sexuality and sexual exploration. They get kind of a very unique insight into it. And my experience overall is that uh, our adolescents in Ireland are really uneducated when it comes to it. And where they're learning all about sexuality and their own bodies is, is coming from pornography, mostly, rather than anything they've learned in a classroom or learned from talking to, let's say, their parents or family. So... This is long overdue, but my concern is a few things. One, how are you going to get all the parents on board with this? Because you are going to get parents who are absolutely agree with it, and then you're going to get parents who vehemently disagree. And it's very hard when it comes to something like sex education to get all the parents on the same page. Another thing is, if you're going to introduce something like pornography into sex education, You need to consult with people who understand pornography and they need to know what types of pornography are out there, what pornography are young people, you know, being exposed Mm. to. Are are people who are in charge of, let's say, the education and introducing things into curriculum, are those people really going to talk to the people who really, you know, know a lot about the porn industry and know a lot about the impact of porn on young minds, those people as well? Probably not. Probably what they're going to do is take a broad look at this and go, okay, too much porn, you know, bad, and then uh, a little bit of porn at a correct age, good. That's, you know, they usually get a very watered-down version of what needs to be said. What needs to be said is, and then nobody is going to say this and nobody's going to suggest this, is that yeah. porn is part of their sex education, has been as soon as they got a mobile phone, they've been watching porn. And parents don't like to hear that, but that's true. That's for boys and girls. Now, I do think there's such a thing as safe pornography for adolescents. But what is that? Who can decide that? And also... How can you monitor something like that? Who do you think, Amy, should actually teach this? I mean, you know, should it be sort of outside experts then brought in to stand in front of the students and and teach it? Or do the teachers that are currently there require specialist training to do this? I think it's people like me. I think it's the therapist that get the most vulnerable and the most unique insight into an adolescent's state of mind. 
how how a, a, an adolescent isn't quite an adult yet, even though they may be in an adult's body. They're in a transitional phase. Often they are developmentally very immature for their age because, um, depending on their upbringing in that, but let's say, I think our adolescents, let's say when it comes to maturity, you're actually getting younger and younger and younger as we go through the next generation and the next generation. But aesthetically, outwardly, sexually, they're older and older and older. So there's kind of this much greater gap between, let's say, um, sexual exploration, their own aesthetic, and then basically where they are at mm. from a maturity level. And uh, there's a huge, huge gap. And the people who really see that and totally understand it and the people who can kind of understand how to bridge that gap are therapists. So I think actually they should be consulting people who work with adolescents in a therapeutic field. Okay. Yeah. Is it... Are you going to, like, would you be inclined, Amy, to engage? I know we're in a consultation period now about this, but I mean, is that a point that you'd be likely to make to the NCCA? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the reason why I would say therapists is that we, I suppose, we have training, that we, we have this unique training that we know how, let's say, the human mind develops from very, very young age. And we know all these different developmental markers a person should be making throughout their adolescence and into adulthood. And then we also get to see the current day of where our children and our adolescents are at and where they are hitting those markers and not hitting those markers. We get to see that. Mm. But we also kind of, I suppose, me talking to you right now, I'm not talking to you the same way I would talk to an adolescent client. I know, I, yes. I, I understand them and the vocab that I would use is vastly different from what I would be using right now talking to you. So I kind of learned their lingo as well. So I'm able to communicate very effectively with them and I'm able to fully understand their world because I, that's my job. Okay. I need to totally understand their world. Yeah, well, I, well, I wonder, do, do others think as well that perhaps it is really an, an outsider rather than, than the current teachers with specialist training that might be the, the right people for this job? 1800 453 106 is the number if you want to get in touch with us. Amy, thanks a million for joining us here in the programme today. You're very welcome. Eric, what about Amy's point there? Outsource it um, to, to the likes of psychotherapists. There will be a lot of teachers very happy with that. Um, would it be the best results? I'm, I'm not sure. In an ideal world, the individual parent would be the person delivering the content because they know their child the best. But we all know that's, that's not how the world works. That would work for a vast majority or a large percentage of children. Then for me, the second best place to do it is to have a teacher in the school being able to do it because the teacher in the school knows the child quite well. They know their, what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. So a well-trained teacher who's gone through the active consent program through NUIG, they would, be, uh, they would have a high standard. And that would get the most, that most students or most young, young, youngsters would feel comfortable with okay. that. Okay. Um, but however, um, the therapists there on their spoke, there are some children who teachers can't get through to, parents can't get through to, and having the backup of having a, a therapy assistance like that would be of help. Okay. Let, let um, me bring in help, yes. Yeah, let me bring in Caroline as well. Um Caroline, you've been listening to the various different voices on on, on this discussion today. What's your view on it? 
I think it's very sad to see their childhood being eroded so much. It's gone, you know, they're starting to be talked to about being adults from the age of six, seven and eight. You know, they're not having that lovely childhood where they're children and they're having experiences. I, myself, um, I'm angry at modern parenting. They're just not able to do it. They want to be friends with their children instead of parents. I think all parents should deal with sex education of their own children. Not an outside stranger, not a young teacher who's just got out of college paying her loans and then she has to struggle with teaching 30 children about sex. You can't do that. Learning about sex is an individual thing. Every child absorbs the information differently. I, I know that from my brother and I. We absorb the education from our mother much differently. Okay. But we both got it. And, so and you think leave it, leave it out of the classroom completely, Carolyn? Leave it completely out of the classroom. It's a parent's job to parent. But unfortunately, parents want to be best friends with their kids. That doesn't work. Parents are meant to be parents, military parents. Tell them what to do, show them the right thing to do, explain to them so right. that they can create boundaries and learn about life from the people who have their best interests at heart. The interesting the teacher, thing, the interesting thing, Car- sorry, Caroline, I, I thought about this today, was that it's actually student-led. It's the, it's the demand to address this and issues like this in the classroom. It's actually come from the students, apparently, themselves. They, they want to learn matter. about this. And- they're, they're immature. They're, they don't know what they're going to expose themselves to. Parents, it's the parents' duty to form the child and bring the child to its 20s. Educate it, create it, and make it ready, world ready. Nowadays, they have an extra burden, which is technology. Now, if countries in the world can turn off the internet, why can't tech turn off the internet and all the porn for children? Why can't they do that? They're so powerful. But they can turn over a government. They can do this. They can do that. They can do every sort of... Why can't they turn off porn for children? But it's going to be uh, like next to impossible to completely censor what every child in the country is, is looking at. I mean, wh- I know there's parental controls and stuff you can put on phones and iPads, but if a child was to lift their, their older brother or sister's phone or their parents' course, phone, or you know, yeah. they, they'll, they'll have access me, to that. But this, Andrea. What does porn do for anyone? What good does it do for anyone? It makes men aggressive. It makes women think they have to be... Um, porn stars with implanted boobs and bottoms and lips and ears and they have to be shaved like a, a bald head. That's all porn does. It gives you people unrealistic, unrealistic expectations of the intimacy of a human being with each other. Porn is destructive to society. So for that point then, is it not, would it not be worth then chatting and exploring all of this with students in, in the classroom to sort of manage their expectations? Well, I learned the fact of life without my mother having to expose me to men with giant penises jumping on women who are butt implanted within an inch of their lives. I learned out the country about the birds and the bees. Eric, and I grew up to be a very balanced human being, capable of having relations with the opposite sex without having hang-ups or without being um, emotionally disturbed or needing therapy. I grew up very balanced out the country. I learned about the birds and the bees and that's how it should be done in the home with the trustful parents. I'd hate a poor, young, invulnerable teacher to have to do this. Yeah, well that, well, that is Eric's point. I mean, Eric, you, you made that point about the concern among some teachers around having the required and the appropriate training to actually deliver on something like this. Well, it's an uncomfortable topic. People don't, like even, even I'm sure people, some people listening at home now could be cringing listening to the stuff that's being discussed. But, um, in an ideal world, like I said, the parents would deliver it, but we don't live in an ideal world. There will be a, a chunk of children 
who, who for whatever reason, their parents either don't want to do it or are incapable of doing it. Some of them mightn't even have parents. So then it falls onto the school. Um, so in, in school, we, we very quickly get to understand the personalities and the development status of the, of, of the students in front mm-hmm. of us. And we have to react to what we see because there, there is some, like, like I mentioned earlier, there are some boys or some children that need to be helped them mature a bit to, to, so they can, they can get on well with, with their cohort of peers. And there are some that we need to kind of, we need to speak about the responsibilities and, and the actions of what they're reviewing and what they're passing on. So it, it's happening and we, we, okay. can, we can't deny well, that it's happening. I have to say, the best way. there's a fairly mixed response, Eric, to this actually today on the text line and, and the, quite a lot of agreement with Caroline and, and her points there. Like another listener here again, as a mum of, of a teenager and two preteens, I 100% agree with your caller, Caroline. It's the parents' responsibility to parents to totally normalise pornography. I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, this listener, outrageous to think that teachers could be delivering such sexual content in classrooms. Hopefully, most will have the sense to refuse to be part of the sexualisation of children. Parents are the only ones that should decide what content of this nature should be talked about within the classroom. That comes in from uh, Andy in Longford. Why is sex education without porn not enough and why should it be somebody outside your family teaching this again? Asks another texter today. Keep those messages coming in to us. 53106. We will talk about this a little bit later in the programme. I was asking you though at the start of the programme today because I mentioned we had our meeting today our planning meeting for the show up on the balcony and I was asking you where is the best place in Ireland to be today on possibly one of the hottest days that we're going to experience in 2022? Um, this listener has sent in a lovely message to say, I'm actually going for a picnic up Brayhead with my friends. We're celebrating 40 years of friendship with bubbles and a cheese board. <laughs> what a day for it. Fantastic message. Matt in Dublin says, Cahor Strand in Wexford. Absolutely fantastic. A couple of messages though in from people in, Wick- in Wicklow today in Greystones, in fact, to say it's raining. What are you talking about, this beautiful sunshine? And Declan and Geraldine Gallagher have uh, got in touch to say the best place today, it has to be Silver Strand Beach in Glencolum Kill in County Donegal. Keep your best spot, your best locations to be on the on a day like today, pushing 30 odd degrees. Where else would you rather be in Ireland? 53106. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.